We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everybody. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. Joining me shortly uh, on the other side of the Zoom right now. He could talk if you wanted and just kind of interrupt the whole thing and blow the illusion of uh, me sitting here recording this by myself, but that's fine. He's Chris Peterman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And I believe this is going to be our final podcast before the Niners preseason opener on August 14th at Levi Stadium against the Chiefs. We're going to run through and do a 53-man roster projection. I'm not sure if this is the only one we'll do, but it's certainly the first one that we're going to do. Before we get into that, though, I want to remind you, August 13th, Friday, August 13th, um, if you're listening to this before then, Cooperage Brewing in Santa Rosa, the Candlestick Chronicles beer release party um, is at 7 p.m., and Chris and I are going to be there along with Matt Mayoko, Matt Barrows, Cam Inman, Nick Wagner, Jennifer Lee Chan, Tracy Sandler. Basically, virtually the entire 49ers beat is going to be there. And there's going to be a Q&A. There's going to be beer. And it's all for charity. The Redwood Empire Food Bank is going to be there taking donations. The beer benefits the food bank. And so uh, Chris sold it on Twitter as drink beer, talk football and do so for charity which is uh, one of the one of the greatest selling points I've, I've ever heard for a thing. So see you all there. And uh, now let's do our roster projection. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. stepping on the uh, intro yeah no problem i just wanted to uh to have the beer can opening so i sounded cool like oh we're cool we drink beer while we pod type thing you know sure (laughs) and we're we're gonna have our buddy uh my buddy charlie from cooper john uh at the end of this podcast not my buddy interesting okay yeah well okay i see how it goes you need to meet somebody before he's your buddy he'll be your buddy after this pod how about that We've we've uh, chatted a little back and forth on Instagram. So okay, this day and age, given where I land and kind of the millennial spectrum, he's my buddy. We're like gonna we're boys do, now. yeah. You guys Come are buds, on. great great pals. Um, 
we're we're gonna do a a, a live beer review on the pot. Oh, can't uh, wait! With with Charlie, he's actually Kurt from Cooperage. If you're familiar with Cooperage and you've seen all the Kurt beers, this is Kurt. So he's gonna join us on the pod at the at the end of this after we go through our 53 man projections. Hell yeah! Can't wait. Let's get into it. Um, so I did a 53 man roster projection at Niners Wire this week. And Chris, you are, I'm doing mine based on info. I'm consuming all the content from camp. You are actually at camp. And I know that um, no matter how much content there is out there, it doesn't quite match being there and seeing it every day, talking to coaches, being in pressers, um, you know, just you, you have a much better feel for, for kind of the, the state of the team. So I'm going to run through my 53 man projection based on kind of what I've seen and heard, and then you will have yours and we will kind of kick back and forth, uh, the similarities and differences and all that jazz that work. Yeah, let's do it. Hell yeah. All right. Juiced. We're going to go position by position here. We'll start with the quarterbacks. I've got Jimmy Garoppolo making the team. I have Trey Lance making the team. And I kept three quarterbacks and I went with Nate Sudfeld mostly because uh, Kyle Shanahan in the past has discussed his desire to keep three on the roster. And uh, his recent quote about Josh Rosen starting well, but then taking a few steps back wasn't super encouraging for his chances, I think, to, to make the team. So long way to go. There's still three preseason games and, and some practices. But right now I have Nate Sudfeld as the third quarterback. Yeah, so I only went with two. I think this is going to be the first time since Kyle Shanahan became head coach that he keeps just two quarterbacks, and it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. Hmm. Barring anything unforeseen, I, I just don't think there's a market for Jimmy Garoppolo to the point where the 49ers will feel compelled to trade him before the season starts, and maybe that that changes if there's a significant injury somewhere. But for right now, I, I feel it based on practice, at least the first, what, 11, 12 practices we've had, Jimmy Garoppolo feels like the starter as as good as as well as Trey Lance was playing early on in practice. It just feels like um, the last few Jimmy's been a little bit better. And a lot of that might have to do with the second team offensive line, just really not giving Trey Lance much of a chance at all. Um, but I think the big sure. differentiator between the two were, were situational drills that happened earlier this week. Trey Lance just you know, he didn't have a lot of two minute situations in college. And that, that was very clear at practice. Um, so I, I just think you have you need to feel better about Trey Lance before, you know, in those situations before you can just leapfrog him above Garoppolo. And, and he'll certainly have opportunities uh, to do that, I think, over the next three, four weeks before the regular season starts. But for now, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start. If you had to ask me right now, I think he starts if. You ask me in a few weeks, maybe that changes after the the Chargers practices down in L.A. next week and, and you know, the couple preseason games we'll have over these next couple weeks. Um, but I don't think Nate Sudfeld, uh, he's actually been pretty efficient at practice. I just don't know that you necessarily need to keep him because if you lose two quarterbacks and you need to get a third, like your season screwed either way. So, like, you right. could potentially get, um, you know, I think you could keep Nate Sudfeld on the practice squad. And if not, you know, if he if somebody else picks up Nate Sudfeld somehow, I think you'd probably be able to get C.J. Beathard or even Nick Mullins off another team's practice squad. So for me, I'm keeping two quarterbacks uh, on on my initial 53. If this season ends 
with Nick Mullins or CJ Beathard quarterbacking the 49ers. <laughs> I am. I'll be right I would there quit every, every piece of like my job involving the 49ers. I would quit. It would just time is a flat circle. Nothing matters. Yeah. There won't be a ton of 49ers content coming from the Sacramento Bee directly in, in like December, if that's the case. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, reunion. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's yeah, I I I as far as the the Jimmy Garoppolo starting thing, I'm super interested to see in this preseason game against the Chiefs what Trey Lance looks like against a different defense. Yeah. And again, it's probably going to be a lot of second team guys. Um, and even if the offensive line isn't good, like how does he handle that? Is it just something that he naturally kind of, you know, gets out of the pocket or stays in the pocket long enough to, to, to get rid of it? Does he bail immediately? Like what is, how does he handle that kind of adversity? Uh, there's, there's a lot of questions that can be answered. I don't, I don't think necessarily that the team is going to decide anything based on the preseason games, but I think we'll, we just as observers will learn a lot about about Trey Lance in those games over the last week or so and we're recording this a few hours after Wednesday's practice and Trey Lance was sacked five times or at (sighs) least like the defense was credited with five sacks right um the offensive line play in front of Trey Lance has just been abysmal over about the last week or so yeah I want that I, I want that caveat to be out there because the talent differentiation between him and Garoppolo is still very much there there's still a few wow plays that Trey makes during each practice but it's just the first team offense has been much better than the second team offense overall and some of that has to do with Trey Lance's inexperience but a lot of it also has to do with just how bad the offensive line has been so that's something to keep an eye on for sure all right let's move on to the running backs where I have them keeping four running backs I have Raheem Mostert Trey Sermon I went with Wayne Gallman the veteran that they signed this offseason from the Giants and Elijah Mitchell, the other rookies. So two rookies out of the four. And then Jamichael Hasty winds up being the odd man out. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think you could almost flip a coin between Gallman and, and Hasty. I'm going to go yeah. with Jamichael Hasty um, just because I think he's got a little bit more juice right now. And, you know, this maybe this changes in the preseason and Wayne Gallman averaged 4.6 yards per carry last year, uh, replacing Saquon Barkley with the giants after he got hurt. So he, he could be a, a pretty solid, you know, fourth running back if he's your guy, but I just think Casey's got a little bit more wiggle. Um, he's a little bit more explosive. So I, I like him a little bit more. So my four running backs are Raheem Mostert, Trey Sermon, Elijah Mitchell, and Jamichael hasty and Kyle, Kyle Juszczyk going to make the squad. Yeah, I, I do fullbacks as a separate thing. Oh, okay. Um, let's just get that one out of the way. Kyle Juszczyk's going to make the team. Josh Hokett isn't. Um, so on the running backs, I'm going off what I saw from Hasty last year, and I wasn't super impressed. Maybe my expectations were just too high because he's an undrafted running back from Baylor, and he kind of got pushed into action because of injuries. I just wasn't, uh, I didn't come away super blown away. And Wayne Gallman was really good for the Giants last year. So that's just kind of what I'm going off of. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me though, if it's, if it's hasty over Gallman. Yeah. I think those two are sort of battling for a spot. 
Because I don't think they're going to keep five halfbacks. I think they're going to keep four. And yeah. I, th- and so, yeah, I think Hasty and Gallman are, are, are squaring off right now for sure for, for that final spot. You got anything to say about the fullbacks? And just check. Um, Slash Josh Hokit. <laughs> Hokit the other day, what, what is it? I think it was Monday. God, all Monday the they were are, off. All the days are blending together. Sat Sunday. I think it was Sunday. Um, Josh Hokett made like eight catches in full team drills. Jeez. And they weren't necessarily like super impressive catches. He was just like constantly available for checkdowns, it felt like. Um, and that's not necessarily to take anything away from him, but I just don't know that that's a reason to keep a second fullback because they gave Kyle Juszczyk a lot of money. And so, yeah, you know, two fullbacks isn't really a thing. They don't have, they don't have enough talent to be keeping two fullbacks on the roster. The uh, not enough talent. They don't have enough reliable players to just mess around and keep a fullback. When we were doing the old rush, one of the funniest things about that, when we were going back to like the 2011 games Uh is they had two fullbacks on the roster. They had more and Norris and, uh, and Bruce Bruce Miller. Miller. And I was like, wow, they have two fullbacks. That is hilarious. That's such a Harbaugh (laughs) thing. That's such a Harbaugh thing. Uh, all right, wide receivers. I this have is six. this is an interesting one. You have six. Okay. So I have six, and here's my here's my wide receiver take. Okay. Uh, I had Kevin White making the team. He was cut today, so yeah. <laughs> I didn't have Kevin White making the team. It's a joke. Uh, he was cut. <laughs> uh, so I have Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, lock it in. I have Trent Sherfield locked in. Whether he's the wide receiver three or just a special teams guy, I feel really good about his chances to make the team. After that, you could tell me anything about the receiving core, and I would believe it. You could tell me they keep two additional ones, three additional ones, four, and you could pick any names, and I would just buy I would buy it. Because I have so I have Sherfield, I have Muhammad Sanu as my fourth, Richie James is my fifth. Because James hasn't really carved out a role, but he can return kicks. And we saw last year against the Packers when he was the only receiver available. I think he went for like 183 yards or whatever it was. He like surpassed his career high for a season in one game. So I think there's there's something there with him. Uh, and enough to, to give him a roster spot. And then I just grabbed, because I had six receivers, I just grabbed Simba Webster as their return guy. But I can be talked off of that super easy. So um, that's the six I have, like, super tentative. Because, like I said, I'll believe anything you tell me about the receiving court. Yeah, so we talked about it earlier this week when Nick Wagner, our buddy uh, from ESPN, was on. And I just don't know how many... NFL receivers they have beyond the top four right like I think there's four that are like real legit NFL players Debo Samuel Brandon I Brandon Ayuk Muhammad Sanu and Trent Sherfield um in so I had those four and I only had five receivers making the team on this 53 projection the fifth one is Richie James just because he can be a return guy for you um so the reason why I only have five and Kyle Shanahan typically keeps six first, I, I just don't think you've seen enough from, you know, Juwan Jennings, River Craycraft, uh, 
Travis Benjamin, Jalen Hurd has hardly practiced at all. And I think he only has one catch in full team drills. And, you know, we talked about it too earlier with Nick, like it's not looking great for Hurd. Like he's going to need a, a big preseason, I think, to make the team. And right now it doesn't seem like he's poised to do that. So I have five. And um, I also think the Niners just are not going to utilize three receiver sets all that much. I think they're going to be yeah. a power running team. Um, a lot of two receiver sets, a lot of Kyle Juszczyk, a lot of two tight ends. And to me, I just looking at the receiving core, I don't know that you necessarily need six with the way they're going to play, barring injury, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I just don't know that they have six NFL players at that position. I think I, I feel comfortable saying they have four NFL players at receiver right now. And I have Richie James making it as a fifth because we know he can he can be a return man for you if you don't want to have Brandon Ayuk in, um, in that spot. Um, so those are those are the five guys for me. Yeah, I could. I'll buy that. I just I really think that. Man, I don't even but it's I'm trying to think of who gets left out in that situation and if you're telling me they leave symbol webster and like river craycraft well hurt's the uh, big one right austin watkins jalen hurd of course yeah based on what coaches have said about jalen hurd and what kyle shanahan said about jalen hurd like and what uh mike mcdaniel as well said like if you can't practice it's really hard to make the football team and i just I'm not counting on Jalen Hurd to to make the team. Yeah, I think, you know, put it this way. Based on what I've heard, I, I think that's the right take to have <laughs> going into this. Yeah, it's... Uh, he's got to practice. He's got to practice get, well. He's got to do more than just be out there. Um, I, and it's kind of up to him. I get the sentiment. Point. I get the sentiment from fans like, oh, his ceiling. Like, look at what he did in the one preseason game, his rookie year. But we're two years past that. It's his third year in the league and he can't even stay on the practice field. And when he is on the practice field, from what I understand in 11 on 11s on Wednesday, he didn't have a pass thrown to him. No, I mean, he's caught, he's caught one pass in 11 on 11s. That's all camp. And he's not only, not only is he not on the field, he's not being effective. He doesn't look like the same guy. Like that Jalen heard his rookie year was a big physical receiver. And it looks like he's lost a bunch of weight, which is fine. You're coming off injuries, right. but it's also like that physicality. I don't know if it's there, right? It's going to need to show up in the preseason and maybe it does. Yeah. But just based on the way practice is gone, I think it's impossible to pencil Jalen Hurd in for, for a roster spot right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. So let's move on to tight ends. I have three tight ends staying same for a lot of the same reasons that you just said about the receivers. Michael Pruitt, I think would make the team. I think if Michael Pruitt was healthy, I would have them keeping four with him as the fourth because he's been a pretty like productive tight end in the NFL, maybe even more so than, than a guy like Charlie Warner and maybe even more so than, than a guy like Ross Twelly. but he's had a calf injury since early in camp. So Outside of that, you have Joshua Perkins and Jordan Matthews, the converted receiver who's never played the position before. And I'm just not ready to, 
put him on the roster without seeing him do any of this stuff in in a game situation. So maybe he maybe he plays really well and practices really well and they like what he can bring as a as a pass catcher early on and they keep four. But right now it's it's George Kittle, Ross Dwelly, and, and Charlie Warner. Yeah, those are the three I have. I would um if Pruitt's healthy, if I knew Pruitt were healthy, I would have him over Charlie Warner. Oh, interesting. So you'd still have three, but no Warner. I would still have three, but no Warner. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know if Charlie Warner is a good enough blocker to warrant keeping given how limited he is in the passing game. He's sure. another one who just hasn't really done much at practice in terms of catching passes. That's to say fine. he's not a mix of George Kittle and Gronk. No, he is not mm-hmm. a mix of George Kittle and Gronk. At least not yet. Maybe he'll get there. <laughs> um but no, I think that third guy needs to be a blocking guy. I think for now, Charlie Warner is in that spot because Pruitt, we don't know when he's going to be healthy. It sounds like he's a week or two away from even practicing. And so it's just hard to, you know, give that guy a roster spot right now when you're making these projections. Mm-hmm. But for me, I have three, Kittle, Dwelly, and Warner. And um, and if Pruitt were healthy, I would have Pruitt over Warner. And I think you could probably get Warner to the practice squad and not worry about losing him if uh, if it came down to it. Sure. All right. I don't have any more tight end takes. No. Nope, uh, offensive line. I have them keeping nine offensive linemen. Okay. I have eight. I have. Let, let's see where the differences are. Trent Williams, Lakin Tomlinson, Alex Mack. All three. Yeah. Yep. Aaron Banks. Yep. Mike McGlinchey. See, I have Daniel Brunskill. We that's six. Yeah, we have Daniel Brunskill. <laughs> I was going with yes in French because I'm I so know. worldly. I know I was okay. doing a bit. All right, got it. Uh, Jalen Moore, mm-hmm. the fifth round pick out of Western Michigan, who's playing left tackle and might win the swing tackle job after being drafted to kick inside, which I think is interesting. I think he's going to be the swing tackle which is a like wild change from when he was drafted. Yeah. Um, but good for him. Jalen Moore on the, on the come up. And then I have Colton McKivitz. Yep. And then I threw Sean Coleman on the team. Maybe he doesn't suit up every week, but he was very likely going to be the swing tackle before he got hurt in 2019. He, I believe broke his ankle and missed the entire season, then opted out last year because of COVID. I think that they're going to give him a roster spot with a chance to uh, knock some of that rust off kind of throughout the season. And that way he's there in case they need to bump a lineman up. It's a guy who's been around. He knows the team. He knows the offense. Um, I think I think Sean Coleman still makes it. Those are my okay. Um you don't have Coleman then. I don't. We have the same eight guys. Uh, but I do not have Coleman making it as the night. So I have Williams, Tomlinson, Mack, McGlinchey, Banks, Brunskill, Moore, and McKivitz. Sure. And I think a lot of versatility there too. Yeah. I mean, Moore can play inside or outside. McKivitz can play inside or outside. Brunskill is your backup center, but also your right guard. Um, I would imagine McKivitz would be the third string center in this scenario, but I just don't know that Sean Coleman has been good enough to, to warn a roster spot at this point. Sure. Um, and I think you could probably get him to the practice squad. That makes and, sense. And I think, you know, mentioning, we talked about Trey Lance earlier, like 
I don't know how many NFL caliber offensive linemen they have right now. I think the number's around eight. This feels right to me. So it's not ideal. It's a little thin. It, it might be one of those areas. Like, look, there are a few spots on this roster, just given that the 49ers have invested so much at quarterback. They've paid George Kittle and Trent Williams and now Fred Warner. Like, it's a pretty top-heavy roster, and you do worry a little bit about their depth, I think, overall. And I think one of those spots you really worry about it is offensive line. Like if you have yeah. to, if you have to get to the Niners' seventh and eighth offensive lineman at some point during the season, like it's not ideal for any team, but it could become a problem when you're, you know, if you're thinking about the 49ers as like a contender, right? Like if Colton sure. Kivitz is starting playoff games at center, say, like you're not thrilled about that, right? And right. I don't know, you know, like. Daniel Brunskill hasn't been particularly good at right guard, in my opinion. And it's a little concerning that Aaron Banks hasn't been able to get first team reps like at all to this point. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they've been rotating. It's been Tom Compton. It's been Brunskill. Um, like it's just McKivitz. McKivitz. Yeah, they and, and Banks has not gotten many first many or any first team reps that I can remember. So it's a little concerning that he's not at least in that mix right now. So he's probably the backup interior guy along with McKivitz. And then for me more is, is the swing tackle as of right now. Yikes. Yeah. That could, that could wind up being a problem. We yeah, saw, we, totally. we saw it in this year's Super Bowl. What happens when you, when you get down to, to totally to that level of your, your offensive line depth chart, let's jump over to the other side of the ball. Uh, defensive it line. This, is, this gets a little wild for me. Yeah, this is you were you were kind of rolling through. We didn't talk names, but you were giving me numbers yeah. of players you were keeping at each position. This is banana sandwich from you. So I have <laughs> no <laughs> so I I made a little boobo on my Niners on my on my Niners wire my, uh projection. So I'm gonna mess with it a little bit here. I have nine defensive linemen. Wow, okay. I have Nick Bosa, D. Ford, Samson Ebukam, Javon Kinlaw, Eric Armstead, DJ Jones, Maurice Hurst, Kevin Givens, and Zach Kerr. The other one I thought about adding was Arden Key, but I left him off for now with, with the thought that my mind could pretty easily be changed. Yeah, so when I went light on quarterback and receiver, this is basically where I made up for it in terms mm -hmm. of numbers. So I have four, eight, I have 11 defensive linemen. Make Good Lord. And this just feels like, it, it feels like they have more NFL players along the defensive line than really any other position. Um, so for me, it's Nick Bosa, D Ford, Samson Ebukam. I do have Arden Key making it mm -hmm. um, just for depth. Sure, And I think I'd rather have Arden Key as like a situational pass rusher over, say, you know, like Sean Coleman or Nassimba Simba Webster. Webster. Yeah, right. something, somebody like that. Um, so Bosa Ford, Ebukam Key, defensive ends. Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, DJ Jones, Zach Kerr, Contavious Street, Kevin Givens, and Mo Hurst. Oh, Contavious Street, interesting. He's been, Contavious Street, has been one of the most consistent players um, really at that position group. And huh. I think he's improved a pretty good amount. 
And it's he's he's a handful. He's been a handful for Lake and Tomlinson. And I think you can say the same thing with Givens. I do think the 49ers have a lot of depth along the defensive line, at least on the interior of the defensive line. I'm not I don't know that like Zach Kerr or Streeter Givens or Hurst are even going to be great. But like the reason why or a reason why part of the reason why the second unit offensive line struggles is because all these guys are right are in that group. And so I think they do have a lot of NFL players along the defensive front. And if you're just talking about constructing a roster and having your best 53 guys, I mean, based on what I've watched at practice, I think these 11 defensive linemen are all actual NFL players over some of the, Hmm. over some of the guys you might consider keeping at other positions just because those numbers would seem a little bit more normal. Um. But no, I think defensive defensive line is clearly where they have the most depth. And they're a team that wants to be able to control the line of scrimmage on the defensive side. There is no version of the 49ers having a successful season if they're not controlling the line of scrimmage from the defensive line. So that's why that's another reason why here um, I have them keeping so many defensive linemen. And that too was a huge reason they were so successful in 2019, right? It was just relentless. It was, they were so deep and you're getting, you know, early to mid fourth quarter, you've got an offensive line that's starting to run out of gas and defensive line that has all played, you know, 15 to 20 snaps. Right. So I think that's, that's definitely by design and 11 sounds like a lot, but I mean, as you lay it out, you have not only that many NFL players, but you've got, Eric Armstead currently dealing with a groin injury already. D Ford is today. D Ford is a is a huge question mark health wise. Like he's been he's been in camp, but his track record isn't isn't great on the health front. Um, Ebukam has been dealing with some health stuff in in camp, some some swelling in his legs, I guess. So it would it would make sense because that that is the spearhead for their entire defense. Is that defensive line? So agree. I I I like that. It initially sounded like a lot, but uh, this next one you have one more player at this spot than I do as well, and that's at linebacker. Where did you have Fred Warner making it? I did. Okay. I thought long and hard about it, but Fred Warner didn't yeah. make the team. Yeah, that's. Uh, I know it's probably controversial. Don't turn the pot off, but. Uh, just trust us. We think number 54 is going to be a pretty good player. Dre Greenlaw. He was, he was so good at practice on Tuesday. Like just flying around, hitting everybody, talking shit to the offense. <laughs> like he's Fred Warner's an excellent football player. Anyway, and the thing too, on. like just linebackers in general, it's such an important, it's such an important position in the NFL now because teams Offenses are all about controlling the middle of the field to get rid of the ball, get it to your slot guy. And when you, how many times do we go into a game circling a linebacker or two on the opposing defense and going, Kyle Shanahan's going to destroy that guy. Yeah. Like Kyle Shanahan's going to get that guy spinning in circles. Look what it, go watch what he did to Luke freaking Keekley in 2019. It's crazy. Anyways. Well, that's uh, the thing too. Like Warner is challenged in a unique way in practice by going against Kyle Shanahan's offense. And he like still dominates. Yeah, he just he's matchup proof. There's a there's a go look at it the the tape from 2019 against. Uh, pop the tape in. 
from from their from their game against the Ravens in 2019, he like runs with Hollywood Brown. I mean, he had middle. a pass breakup on Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, that's ridiculous. at practice, and it was just like perfect coverage. Like it's ridiculous. Like he's a linebacker. You're he's not. You're not supposed to do that as a linebacker. So yeah, yeah. Fred Warner's that's making the same. IMO. All right. <laughs> uh, Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Aziz Alshire. Although he's dealing with a knee injury, but it sounds like he's going to be back and ready for Week One. Demetrius Flanagan Foles. Uh, pretty cool story for him. Converted safety from college, signed in an, as an undrafted rookie mm-hmm. in 2019, and and now looks like he's going to make the team as a uh, as a reserve linebacker. And then my fifth one is Marcel Harris, for a couple of reasons. Um, one, I think that he just kind of fits what a modern linebacker needs to do. Um, I'm not saying he could start and be a pro bowler, but I think if he's, if he's in the game, you don't feel horrible about it. And he helps their safety depth, which has been challenged a lot in camp to the point they signed on Wednesday. They, a report came out that they're going to sign haha Clinton Dix, although it hasn't made been made official yet, but Tony Jefferson's dealing with an injury. Jaquaski Tart, it looks like he's not going to be back for the foreseeable future. Uh, Kyle Shanahan cast a doubt that he'd be ready for week one. Um, so I just, I think having Marcel Harris on the team, plus he's a special teams guy. So um, I think there are a lot of merits for, for his, uh, his roster status. And like I said, I don't think he'd be a, a total disaster if he had to be put in at linebacker. Your I agree with everything you said. I had those same five guys, but I had a sixth. And it's your guy, Indiana State's very own Jonas Griffith. The greatest athlete to ever come out of Indiana State, Jonas Griffith. We love it. <laughs> I wonder if there are any people listening in Boston that don't know that you're I kidding think, when you say I that. think there are people listening in, in the Bay Area that don't know. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, if you just yell Larry, Larry, Larry Bird, Bird went to Indiana State, just FYI, it's all for all the listeners out there. <laughs> yeah, right. I hope there's at least one person listening who was like, oh, Larry Bird, dumbass. <laughs> um, but but Griffith has got so with Aziz Alshire being hurt and Demetrius Flanagan Fowles currently being hurt, Jonas Griffith has gotten a lot of first team reps as the same linebacker, and he's also the second team Mike linebacker. Um, and he's like today, Nick and I were watching practice. He's like flying around, just like hitting people, like actually hitting people, like drilling guys. Like he wouldn't a game. He wasn't like form tackling, but the contact level was, was reminiscent of what you would, what you would see on Sunday. It was like, he he made a couple of hits and Nick and I were looking at each other like, damn, this guy's hitting the shit out of people right now. (laughs) Um, but he's, you know, he's classic, classic sycamore behavior. Yeah, exactly. You know, the Sycamores, you, uh, you know what to expect when you get a Sycamore in your program. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, NFL um, pipeline. Yeah. Um, but to me, like he's going to be, a, he could be a special teamer for you. He could be your backup, Mike. I think he could play any of the three spots, really. That dude um, and I think he, I think he deserves a spot based on what we've seen in training camp. And he's going to get a ton of reps in the preseason. Um, I love and, this. And I'll probably make some plays too. So I have him keeping six linebackers. Um, in part because like, you know, I mean, Aziz is hurt and it sounds like he's going to be ready for week one, but he's still hurt. Flanagan fouls hasn't practiced in a couple days. Um, so yeah, I think, I think six is reasonable at this point. Do you hear that? No. What is it? It's a Jonas Griffith hype train. 
leaving the station once again. Once again, All he's your guy. I'm I'm happy for you. Like this is I'm like, this I'm is promising. happy for me too. <laughs> All right, let's let's jump into the secondary. This is rough because I have them keeping six cornerbacks. Same. And I don't know that they'd feel great about having any of them aside from the starters on the field, which isn't ideal. So I have Jason Verrett, Emmanuel Mosley. You might, you probably have the same six. Jason Verrett, Emmanuel Mosley, K1 Williams, Ambry Thomas, Diamador Lenore, and Dante Johnson. Oh, we differ. Oh, where? Uh, <laughs> so I have Ken Webster over Dante Johnson. Oh, Kenny Webbs, of course. You're still vying for a three wood. <laughs> uh, well, I got the three wood, but um, no, I I don't have any real like I don't feel very strongly about the Ken Webster versus Dante Johnson. No, debate. this is your guy now. <laughs> okay, fine, he's my guy. <laughs> um, but he was brought in and to play special teams basically, and he's played a lot of special teams. And he was also, I, I think he's also gotten more first team reps um, than Dante Johnson when uh, Emmanuel Mosley was out on the COVID list. So I'm, I'm basing it purely off that. Um, but I do think that Webster and Johnson are comp- competing directly for that six cornerback spot. Okay. Something to watch during the preseason. I don't have a lot of takes. Yeah, they're on... not corner corners, another spot where they're not particularly deep. It's just, it's, it's, I, they're going to keep their two rookies. They're not going to cut Thomas or Lenore. They use third and fifth round draft picks on them. They're, they're going to give them time. And then that sixth spot is just like, it, it, it's not, it, <laughs> it's not like, oh man, there's a few guys who could really grab hold of this. It's just like, well, they should probably keep six. So pick somebody. Yeah. It's not uh, not not a super deep group by any yeah. means. They they very much need Jason Verrett to stay healthy. Yes, that is that's that's very much key, and they need their pass rush to be very good. Yes. So let's let's jump back to safety, where I have. Um, I did this before word came out that Tart wasn't anywhere close to returning. Mm-hmm. So, on the fly, I'm going to make this up. Jimmy Ward. Talanoa Hufanga, Tavon Wilson, and then I guess Tony Jefferson with Jaquaski Tart starting the season on Pup. I so, think question mark. Yeah, so I kept four. Okay. Um, with the four, I kept four too, right? Ward Hufanga, yeah, Wilson, Jefferson, and Tart on the injured list. Instead okay. of Jefferson, so Jefferson currently has groin and hamstring injuries, and it right. doesn't sound like he's particularly close to coming back. Um, okay. or at least he's not, it, it sounds like it's going to be at least a week, but we don't really know. So I had those same three, Jimmy Ward, Tavon Wilson, Talanoa Hufanga. Um, instead of Jefferson, I had Jared Maiden because Maiden is okay. more of That's that fine. natural free safety. And he could also play in the slot in a pinch. If you absolutely needed to, he would probably be the third string slot guy behind Diamador Lenore. Okay. Um, and K1, but I, I just went with, with Maiden because Jefferson's hurt right now. Jefferson hasn't played a whole lot. Um, he missed the early part of camp. Uh, 
he did get some practice time in, but it's just to, it's just a question mark given his sure. health right now. No, and I like that. The, I'll buy that. Yeah, and the reason why, I mean, you know, six linebackers is more than the 49ers have kept in the last few years, but Marcel Harris could play safety if you needed him to. Right. Um, even though he's he's playing linebacker full time right now. So that's one thing that he does is he gives you a little bit of versatility there in the is, middle of the field. So yeah, Ward Wilson, Hufanga, and Maiden. And it looks like right now Tavon Wilson's gonna be the starting strong safety. Wow. Maybe Hufanga can beat like Hufanga does have an opportunity to beat him out. He had a one-handed interception today, which was pretty nice. Albeit it was plays like Tripalamalu. Watch out. Yeah. Um, I want to rewind real quick and talk about a trivial thing before we before we get Charlie from Cooper's Brewing on here. Yeah. If Marcel Harris winds up making the team at linebacker, he has to change his number from 36, right? Not like legally by NFL rules. He can be number 36, but he has to change it. You can't be number 36 linebacker. I, I you know what? I, I'm indifferent about on this. Like Really? Yeah. Wow. Because you usually have really strong numbers. A lot of safety. Like it's, it is a weird one, but I don't know that he would necessarily have to. To me, if he's lining up at linebacker as number 36, he's going to be putting himself in a worse spot than he was lining up in linebacker as number like 50. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Well, Alex Mack isn't giving him 50. 50. I don't know why Alex Nine. Mack has the most used looking Jersey practice Jersey of anybody on the field. And it's weird because he's a I, new guy. Like, I go ahead. Alex Mack came to the 49ers and must have thrown his Jersey with like the screen printed numbers in the dryer <laughs> for like a week straight because fifties all faded. And I don't get it. Cause he's a new guy. I have, Two things on this. One, I think that's probably the case because he is like the definition of barrel chested. Okay. And I'm guessing that those numbers just get pulled so tight once it's over his big ass chest and his pads. Plus he's getting, you know, he's a center. So he's getting hit kind of in that area a lot that I think those numbers and that screen print is just stretched to the gills. So when it gets hit, it chips away easier. Yeah, I... That is you a very super well right. spot on reason. You the very second well could thing, be right. Also, his butt I feel sweat horrible. has got. I feel so bad for him. I am a very sweaty person. <laughs> I'm glad we're talking about this. No, it's I, I'm I'm going to stand with Alex Mack on this as a as a sweaty person. I sweat less now that I drink less coffee, but hmm. um. Yeah, dude, I can tell. Like, if I have too much coffee in the morning, it's buckets, bro. Um, but yeah, man. Um, I wouldn't want people out there like, like, hey, Chris, <laughs> you sat next to Kyle at the Cooperage thing the other night. Do you have to get like an extra towel or something? Do you ask him to change his pants? I saw how sweaty he was. That's so. That's that's so. Like, that's such a bummer. And he's rich, which like fine, <laughs> but. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel bad. And you could tell Jimmy Garoppolo is awkward. He's like, I can't believe we're talking about this. Like, I can't either, Jim. It's an unspoken thing. Like, your hands need to be under that dude's ass. Oh, and hey, you got his ass sweat on you. How's that feel? They Not they, great, Chris. They put a gigantic towel 
on the back of his pants <laughs> that they change very frequently during practice. I mean, it's just funny. Like, I don't, it's just one of those things. It's funny. We're in the dog days of training camp. Like let's enjoy this sort of funny storyline about Alex Max butts wet. <laughs> Should you make him go change his pants? Apparently Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan made him change his pants it. during practice. Jimmy, do you think you could be the MVP if you made Alex Mack change his pants? <laughs> Ridiculous. Now, okay. Now, if it's affecting games and they're like, hey, why'd you fumble six times, Jim? Well, I had Max swamp ass all over my hands and couldn't, he said couldn't hold it, on to the ball. He said playing with Alex Mack sometimes can turn from a dry game to a rain game based on how much moisture can get oh on his God. hands and the football. So, you know what? This might be a factor. <laughs> if, the Niners, if the Niners are playing games and Jimmy Garoppolo all of a sudden starts fumbling snaps, like, this is kind of what we got to talk about. <laughs> Jesus. All right. If, if, if Alex Max butt sweat is the 49ers' biggest problem this year, I like their chances. That's a good point. Let's not Let's worry so there. much about the second team <laughs> offensive line or the cornerback depth. <laughs> we got to figure out this Runs- situation. We got to figure out how to how to get rid of that moisture. Get a firm grip on the football. What's the moisture level of your pants? <laughs> pretty dry, coach. Get in there. It's pretty awkward. Like, I mean, just to have a quarterback in that position, like nobody's ever put their hands... I mean, with me, like Look, I consider that... you, I consider you a very good friend. We went to Tahoe together. We had drinks and all that jazz. If at any point we had wound up with your hands anywhere near that close to my rear end, we wouldn't be doing this <laughs> podcast together. anymore. <laughs> and oh, these man. guys have to go do that on the daily. So yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's I just think it's a weird thing that make. it's become like a multi-day thing. I stand with Alex Mack and those of us who are sweaty. I don't think anybody's blaming Alex Mack. I mean, he's he's an all-decade no, center. No, so great. He's, he's great. overcome these sweat issues. Sure. That's why I'm that's why I guess I guess that's why I'm like, really? Like this is what we're talking about. It's know. it's hard to come up with really new and interesting storylines every day at training camp. <laughs> Particularly when there's something as funny as just butt sweat being out there. <laughs> you couldn't ask Jimmy Garoppolo about Jonas Griffith, but you can ask him about. Yeah. Jimmy, um, all right. Let's, Indiana State linebackers. Yeah. Let's bring, uh, let's bring Charlie in there. Yeah, Charlie. And we'll, uh, we'll on the pot after that. All right. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, and last but certainly not least, we got to move on to the specialists where uh, there's no competition, there's nothing going on. It's Robbie Gold, the kicker, Mitch Wisnowski, the punter, and our guy, friend of the pod, Tabor Pepper, the long snapper. Chris, your thoughts on the specialists? Those are the same three I had, Kyle. Boy, <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we we hammered we hammered that out. Three. There specialists. are no camp legs. There's no second punter. There's no second kicker. They're it's they're those are the guys. So. And time. That's the amount that we'd set aside to, to talk about that. Yeah. But uh, we gotta we gotta bring in your guy Charlie. Charlie. Yeah. Hurt? Charlie. Charlie. Yeah. Hurt. So we've talked a lot about the event on Friday at Cooperage, and um, one of the important figure if you're familiar with cooperage and if you've seen cooperage beer on the shelves anywhere you've seen kurt in his many forms um on the beer cans different aliases uh and so we have kurt with us his real name is charlie uh he's a good friend of mine dating back to high school in santa rosa so we've been friends for i actually don't want to do the math but it's been over well 40 over years yeah a long time um so charlie welcome to the pod man Oh, thank you very much, boys. I appreciate you having me on. So I've had the Candlestick Chronicles beer. Hopefully a lot of people listening have had the Candlestick Chronicles beer. It is fantastic. It's and so I'm not good. just saying that because it's our beer. Like, it's actually really good. It um, is. Yeah. And Charlie, like you work with Tyler. Tyler's the head brewer at Cooperage. Um, you got in on the ground floor with Tyler uh, so like, what's like, tell us the, the Cooperage origin story and the Kurt, like we can, maybe we can talk about the Kurt story afterwards, but yeah, I'm going um, to need to be one of the cool on things about Cooperage is just the story and the fact that you guys got involved in like seeing it from the ground floor and seeing them start making really good beer in a town where there's a ton of good beer, um, is just really, really awesome from my vantage point. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. You're definitely right. Um, when I met Tyler Smith, who he's the owner, uh, head brewer at Cooperage, he was a home brewer by trade and he was working and managing a tap room in Santa Rosa at the same time. So I made friends with him because I was a good customer <laughs> and he, uh, he had these like legendary parties at his house that were, I mean, they were basically bottle shares. That's what beer dorks call them. But we, everyone would show up with their prized possession beers and we would pour little sips around and everybody get to try a couple, you know, ounces of beer and drink too much and take a cap on, you know. But so there's all these, you know, delicious beers people bring. But Tyler had also had like a chest freezer in his garage that was converted to a kegerator. 
which I had never seen before in anyone's home, right? You know, I mean, I've seen a grammar at a beer festival before, but never in somebody's house. And so, you know, I was like, oh man, you got beer on tap in here? And he's like, yeah, you know, right? Yeah, I got it right now, you know, pour yourself up. And so I poured a glass and it was a pale ale of some sort. And I remember just like taking a sip and being like, holy hell, like this is really good. Like you <laughs> made this in the garage and it's on tap. Like I was, just, I couldn't believe that really. You know what I mean? Like seriously, most of the homebrew that you try is like drain pour status, right? Like you don't want to like really get down unless somebody's, you know, really good at the craft. And so, I mean, you know, so like me, along with a, a lot of other people who are close to Ty back, you know, when he wasn't a professional brewer, were you know, in his ear and telling him that, you know, you got to start a brewery and, and you know, you, you know, let's let's make this happen. And so and he did through a, a ton of, uh, you know, hard work that he, you know, he and his wife, they they cobbled together all the money that they had and, and you know, basically went from being a garage brewer to being a home, you know, from, you know, being a home brewer to becoming a professional opened up the bar um and you know i mean like you know we've been we've been open now for about six years and we just had our anniversary in in june and the place is amazing you know and like you know know, a lot of hard work went into that but uh the guy is like yeah he's a he's a legend in santa rosa beer scene really like and we've only been open for you know what are doing those six years now and it's pretty great, dude. Like, you know, our, you know, people come to our spot and knowing that we've got like the fire, you know, hoppy beers and stuff. And so it's pretty great. Yeah. I met somebody. Um, I was at Russian rivers new spot in Windsor and I was, uh, I was in line and I was wearing a, uh, an Ohio state thing. I have an Ohio state ball marker that was in my hat. I, was, I just came from playing golf and a guy was like, oh, did you go to Ohio State? I'm from Ohio. We come out here every summer or like every couple summers to like drink beer. And and we got to talking. He's like, yeah, I love Cooperage. And the thing that's crazy to me about Cooperage is like, like you said, it's it's it started in a very organic place in a town that has Russian River, Hen House. You know, Lagunitas is like a national brand out of Petaluma. Bear Republic mm-hmm. is a big one. Like you can make the case that Santa Rosa is one of the best beer towns in the country. And oh, what's yeah. really cool about Cooperage is a lot of people in the beer scene within Santa Rosa put Cooperage on the same level. And I think anybody who just drinks Tyler's beer can say that can compete with anything. Yeah, you're totally right. Like the hoppy beers, I mean, to open up a, a brewery that is going to be hoppy beer forward and focused, really, for lack of a better term. I mean, like, you got to sell hoppy beer and a ton of it in Sonoma County if you want to keep the lights on, right? It is a very, yeah. very hop-centric. I mean, the Bay Area in general, the Sonoma County, right? You know, you've got Lagu, you got Bear and, and you know, the King of the Castle and Russian, right? And so they're like, that was, you know... Um, our watering hole you know we drink russian rivers the homies right you know bear and a lot of everybody is right that's how the beer community is which is amazing but russian river we have a you know a, a great relationship with all of them you know t- top down and so like our brewery is really an emulation of theirs right and so you look at you know who what's great right and you try and be like that really that's you know been that's been the cooper's way <clears throat> um, I had- go ahead sorry when when we were kind of teasing that we were doing this my buddy's from santa rosa and he texts me and he goes hey um i know you probably can't tell me 
but I hope their brewery you're doing this with is Coop. I love that. I love that place. <laughs> and I was like, boy, if you only knew, man. Um, but you mentioned that that uh, that being a a kind of hot forward brewery is is a, a little bit of a requirement to to stay open. Uh, is that just? Do you think that's just a matter of what like people like in the area, or is that just what other places are doing? Um, what, yeah, what, what kind of goes into that? A lot of it goes, you know, I mean, I, you know, the origin story of IPAs really is kind of murky, right? But they originated on the West Coast and they just became the de facto popular beer for people up here because people just started gravitating towards bigger, you know, stronger beers, right? Sure. Russian River, really, you know, Vinny was the kind of the pioneer of IPAs and stuff. And so, like, that's kind of the, uh, you know, that would be the biggest thing that I would lean on as to why people love hoppy beers is because they kind of become, they they started here, right? And they're, like, all those breweries are, you know, they're cult, they have giant cult followings, including ours. So, like, um, that's for sure why I think, you know, uh, hoppy beers have, kind of run the roost now for the last you know decade or so or at least for as long as i've been bartending for sure so you are sort of like the fit like i think when i mean when i think of cooperage and i have seen a lot of the cans right there are different kurt aliases um your name is obviously not kurt right (laughs) which blew my mind can you explain the the kurt origin story how that came about um, because if if you if you go find Cooperage beers, like there's a very good chance there's a picture of Charlie in cartoon form on the can as Kurt. Right. Um, so yeah, we uh, uh, let's just where do I start? So we had been open for maybe four months, three or four months, and back then there was only three employees. It was myself, uh, Tyler, right, who was the owner, and he was brewing and bartending, and Rachel Ingram, who. Ironically, she now is a, uh, an employee at Russian River, but a good friend of ours. And so we would run like one bartender during the day and two at night. That was just the way it worked because that was all the people that we had to work, right? And so uh, on that day, I want to say it was a Saturday, um, we were super busy as Cooperage tends to get, right? And back then we had there was little to no enforcement of rules because there, I, there was just me, right, and a bar full of people. So there's kids and dogs and, you know, the music loud because we keep the vibe going. And, like, there happened to be a, a, a lady and her husband that were coming up to Sonoma County that day and were doing, like, a like a beer review. And they were, they were hitting four or five different spots. Cooper was going to be one of them. Tyler knew they were with the Chronicle, right? They're with the Chronicle. Yeah, she was San Francisco Chronicle, a a minor publication in the area. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, so Tyler had known that she was going to come up, but I don't think she gave him the warning. And so she got me um, and we were like I said, we were super busy. Right. And uh, I remember the interaction very well because, you know, like you have positive interactions with people all the time. And those just go by the in the wind. You have a negative one, and it like and it sticks with you. And I pride myself on being good with people, and you know, like that's what I, I always want people to be happy and have a good time. <laughs> and she didn't like. And neither did her dude, her husband, or I don't know, whatever the guy that was with her. I don't know what their relation was, but 
they ordered a couple of tasters and were like smelling at them and took some sips and we're like looking around and they were really looking for you know a, a, a better docent through the cooperage experience right and it was slam <laughs> and i wasn't gonna be it so she, <laughs> she wrote uh uh, something she wrote with its industrial park location, hipster warehouse ambiance, and high decibel rock music. Cooperage is not your nurturing corner bar. I felt almost like I'd walked into a private party, albeit one with no food and no host. <laughs> Between the curt bartender and the brews I tried, including a moldy smelling Saison, I left underwhelmed. <laughs> the curt bartender. That was the publication that she wrote about, uh, or that was what she published right in the in her article about us. We had never had anything written about it. <laughs> so, like the first piece of press that my boss gets to see is this like kind of crappy review. And so, um, so a couple things. Uh, obviously, like I said, I remember the interaction still, right? Like six years later, like burned into my mind because they're <laughs> not having a good time. And <laughs> I remember swiping her credit card and like the point of sale that we use, it will store your information, right? Like, you know, the ones where you can type your email into or whatever. And uh, this, her, she already had a, a, a profile in, in our point of sale and it stars out like half the email address, but the second half that wasn't started was said something, something food critic at, you know, gmail.net or whatever. And I was like, Oh, like this is going to manifest itself in a bad way. Somehow <laughs> sure as hell. Yeah. That's, that was what we got. Right. So, but really so devastating had... for the business. <laughs> well, definitely not devastating, but devastating at the time to uh, Tyler for sure, because Right, you work all like, so hard to get oh. going, right? And like we weren't slow at the time. We were definitely like successful and weren't on a path to go the other way because of an article, right? But nevertheless, you don't want it to be a negative on the first run, right? And so uh, my personality is I try to make light of everything, right? Like in addition to having a good time with people, like I love just being, you know, having fun with stuff and relatable my joke to him was was like well my name's not kurt my name's charlie right like <laughs> you got, you got this wrong like, and uh and, and after a couple of days I, I, I kept like hitting him with it you know what i mean and just try to like kind of you know dog him off the ledge i guess for lack of a better term and uh and he finally i was like okay like let's you know let's make a beer like let's make let's turn this around let's let's own this and be funny with it and so the first beer that we did, I was like, let's call it Kurt Reynolds, because I love puns. They're the lowest form of humor and the easiest one to sidle up to, right? Oh, spirit so, animal. Kurt, Kurt Reynolds, baby. And that was that was number one. And the yeah, the rest is history. We made probably 20-something of them now. And yeah, cans for maybe six or so. But the most famous yeah. one. <laughs> I mean, so at the public house at eight uh, Oracle Park now, it's called. You can get McCurdy, McCurdy Cove. Cove. It's, yeah. it's literally a picture of Cartoon Charlie in McCovey <laughs> Cove on a kayak. And that's the beer. And it's a it's a pale ale, right? Yeah. Big shout out to the Cooper sales team. <laughs> so there there's been Big Kurt Rescue, which is which is a play on uh, on Tiger King. 
also yeah. good. Um, done, Kurt Reynolds is excellent. We've done Kurt and Ernie. <laughs> we've always done. We've obviously done Steph Curdy, which is probably the most popular Strong. one. <laughs> we've done Captain Kurt. We've done. Uh, uh, we've done, <laughs> we did butt Kurt once. I mean, we've done like a ton of them, dude. Yeah, I mean, we get we get dumb with the names, but it's all in good fun, right? Because people love a story like that, right? You yeah, know, what totally. I mean, right. we weren't gonna not keep it real in that sense. We were like, okay, we're gonna take this and we're gonna make this funny, and you know, and then you know, and then it worked out. So. And that whole notion just kind of turns the the idea of the article kind of on its ear a little bit too. Like this place is stuffy. It's not like it's not yeah. like a lot of fun. And it turns out you're gonna take this thing and you're gonna have fun with it. Yeah, no, she described an amazing brewery, is what she did because yeah. it was like oh, super loud and like a cracking party, and like you didn't have a good time, like get out, right? <laughs> we, we got plenty of beer, but obviously not the what the, the take with the chronicle beat writer but yeah she unfortunately i wish she had introduced herself but you know she didn't and and, and so and here we are talking about it on the podcast though yeah i don't want well, to i don't awesome. want to i don't want to put you on blast but it looked like as you were going through it it looked like you were reading it do you have it posted or do you just have it in your memory and you were looking off in the distance to remember it Oh yeah, no, you can still find this article on sfgate.com. It's still there. So we, yeah, it's, I, I, you know, I posted on Instagram, like my boss, Tyler will, will do like a Kurt day every year where he'll post a copy of the article, you know, the the day it came out and stuff just to, as a nod to it. But yeah, no, it's still, it's still, yeah. Yeah. So tell us, I mean, we're two days away from the event is, I have no idea like what to expect like crowd wise. Do you have yeah, any ideas? Neither do we, which is part of the fun of throwing an event, right? <laughs> uh, you know, a first a first go is always that it's the first time you throw the, the party, right? Like we're gonna we're gonna run at it with the best way we can and then we'll we'll make tweaks to it and stuff. But yeah, I mean I've heard of people that were coming from out of town for it. That's like, awesome. From LA Damn. and Sacramento and stuff. So yeah, I mean, obviously, we got a lot of Niner fans up here, right? A lot of people that are super excited to, you know, meet you guys and to obviously to meet the other people that you've invited. The beer is sold out already, right? So, wait not up. ideal for oh. the event, but there are there are cans for the event. There are fi- there are yeah, fifty saved, cases being held for Friday. Yeah, we saved. Yeah, exactly. 50, 40, 50 cases or so that'll be available there that day, so everybody should be able to get. Well, at least hopefully everybody will be able to get at least a four pack um, depending on the, on the turnout there. But yeah. So, I mean, otherwise um, we have some posters made too. So there'll be a limited amount of those. Um, I'll need one of those posters. Yeah. I'll set one aside for you, but yeah, the, uh, yeah. So, I mean, otherwise, yeah, like we're, we're kind of running at it the same way you guys are. Like we got the stage and we're going to put you guys up there and lots of outside space, which is huge, right? So, um, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. It'll be can't fun. Wait. I can't wait. I'm super excited. Um, Friday, August 13th, 7 p.m., Cooperage in Santa Rosa, Charlie, Kurt. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on, man. And if, uh, we'll if see you, you on Friday and, and, and yeah. uh, throw some back. If you're not just a real asshole, 
I'm going to be bummed out. <laughs> oh, it's going to be slammed. It's a guarantee. You're going to get the real the authentic experience. <laughs> <laughs> guarantee it. I work doubles on Fridays too. You know what I mean? So yeah, I come oh, in. Oh, perfect. I come in real spicy. Yeah. I can't uh, wait. But thank you guys very much for having us on and let me, you know, obviously talk about the brewery and we're super excited. Stoked to stoked to have you guys up there. So looking forward. It'll be a good time. Thanks for coming on, man, and we'll uh, we'll see you on Friday. See you, Charlie. Later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.